stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth with you today, and John Vecchioni is in court, so he is not going to be joining uh, the program this morning, but I will have uh, some special guests later in the program uh, to talk about uh, many of the goings-on that have been happening uh, at NCLA this month. It's been a very busy uh, very busy start of the year here at the new Civil Liberties Alliance, and we have a whole lot to talk about. Well, I, I want to start off uh, today talking about our uh, our first, well, excuse me, our second Supreme Court case uh, of the year. Obviously, we've been talking about uh, Relentless uh, on many occasions, but this is a different case. This is our uh, Garland v. Cargill uh, case, and uh, we just filed uh, our response brief uh, to the government uh, in that case this past week. So uh, we've obviously been on this case a long time. This is the bump stock ban case out of the Western District of Texas. And just to refresh folks' recollection, uh, we lost, there was a trial in that case on behalf of Mr. Cargill, who is a, a Texas gun shop owner in there in Austin, Texas, and an Army veteran. And we lost that trial uh, in front of, it was a bench trial in front of uh, Judge Ezra in the Western District of Texas. Then we were up at the uh, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit uh, in New Orleans, and we lost in front of a panel of three judges there. But then uh, we uh, sought en banc review at the, at, for the, from the full Fifth Circuit, and we were successful in getting that. And that was uh, they overturned the panel 13 to 3. So that was uh, quite the repudiation of the three-judge panel uh, that we drew there. And, and indicative of sort of how unfortunate the panel draw was that we got uh, originally. But in any event, the government uh, saw fit to appeal that case to, to the Supreme Court. Uh, there were a couple of other bump stock cases appealed to the Supreme Court as well, but the Solicitor General asked the court to hear our case. We were the first one to, to get there post-trial. And uh, so the government had filed its brief last month, and now we've had a chance uh, to file uh, our brief uh, in response this month. And, you know, the arguments... Uh, are you know haven't changed that much in, in the case uh, over time. The um, uh, you know the particular question that's in front of the, uh, the of the Supreme Court is basically just does a bump stock equipped rifle fire more than one shot automatically by a single function of the trigger, and and we'll get into that here in a minute. But of course the bigger issue in this case. Uh, it, it's and we keep saying this isn't a gun case, or sometimes I say this is the hidden administrative law case of the term, because the reason why this case matters so much is because if ATF can take a statute which does not ban bump stocks, it doesn't do that, and say that it does, and change the the, the scope of the criminality of the statute, uh, and extend you know take take a, a, a perfectly lawful product that was purchased. Uh, by over half a million people, uh, over $100 million uh, was spent on purchasing this, this product. And then for them to, to go and, and by the way, ATF signed off 
on on these uh, none of these bump stocks were put on the market, or certainly not the slide fire that that Michael Cargill bought without ATF approval. There were letters where ATF looked at this device, said it was not a machine gun, approved it for sale, then it was purchased, and now ATF is coming back. And not only are they saying that the device is banned prospectively, they're saying that the people who bought the the the, the bump stocks are felons. And that the only reason that they're not being prosecuted is prosecutorial prosecutorial discretion on the part of the Department of Justice. That's outrageous. Uh, and so, uh, if if ATF is allowed to get away with that sort of interpretation, it raises all sorts of concerns about what other federal administrative agencies are going to be able to criminalize conduct after the fact, even conduct specific conduct that that agency had approved with uh, you know, with prior guidance. And that's. Uh, that's a scary prospect. So that's why this case matters so much uh, to the New Civil Liberties Alliance from a from a liberty standpoint, from a uh, unlawful administrative power uh, standpoint. But as I say, the particular issues in the case uh, are a little more specific to uh, what ATF uh, did here. And so uh, to, to refresh, the, the question, the, the two sort of pieces of this are whether or not uh, a bump stock causes a semi-automatic rifle to discharge more than one shot by a quote-unquote single function of the trigger. And the answer there is clearly no, that it doesn't. The trigger resets every single time that you fire. A semi-automatic weapon works differently than a machine gun. A machine gun has something called an auto-sear in it, and that means that when you hold down the trigger, the hammer just keeps going and going and going and going and firing multiple bullets. That doesn't happen in a semi-automatic weapon. It doesn't happen even in a semi-automatic weapon equipped with uh, a bump stock. Instead, if you were to uh, pull the trigger and hold down on the trigger and, and you know, with, with just one hand, you would fire one bullet. Uh, that's the way that it would work. The only way you can fire multiple bullets, even with a bump stock equipped, is if you put your finger on the extension ledge of the bump stock, sort of poised in front of the trigger, and you pull back on the gun with your trigger hand, and you push forward on the forestock or the barrel of the rifle with your offhand at the same time. You have to do all three of those actions in order to fire uh, multiple shots. And, uh, uh, and even then, each single shot that you fire, the trigger resets. So. It isn't the case that you get uh, multiple shots with a single pull of the trigger. Uh, every time that there's a shot fire fired, the trigger is bumped, and every one of those bumps, the tr and bump is a little bit of a misleading term because it makes it sound like you don't have to touch the trigger as much as you ordinarily do. That's not true. The trigger moves the exact same distance and functions in the exact same way with each with each bump or pull, or or if you want to think of it as a push of the trigger, however you think of it, the trigger's activated and and moves the same distance in order to fire a bullet with every time it's touched. So there's nothing about that uh, that uh, that causes multiple bullets to be fired. It's just the case that the uh, that that the bump stock uh, using the bump stock allows you to do it a little more uh, quickly, and you can approach pretty quick rates of fire. Still not as fast as machine gun, but certainly much faster than most people could just uh, pull the trigger uh, with, with their trigger finger. 
So, you know, that's uh, the Solicitor General has been pushing back on that and has come up with some creative ways of trying to think of why that's not true and wants you to think of a single motion of the shooter or a single act of the shooter. Uh, but we explain in our response brief why all, you know, any way you look at that, the trigger still functions the same. Uh, and so those arguments are really uh, meritless. And then uh, the, the next question is whether a, a non-mechanical bump stock causes a semi-automatic rifle to discharge more than one shot automatically. Automatically is the other term that's in the uh, that's in the statute. And again, no, uh, this doesn't work automatically in in uh, in order to uh, for each shot fired, you have to exert forward pressure on the forestock or the the barrel of the rifle to overcome the recoil that happens. You know, every time you fire a gun, the gun kicks back. There's a recoil there. And in order to fire the second shot, you have to with a bump stock, you have to overcome that recoil. Uh, with uh, with your offhand. And so that's not an automatic function. In fact, it's a manual function. It's the opposite of an automatic function. Uh, and all of this manual activity can't be redefined as automatic activity. And if, and if again, if ATF is allowed to redefine that as, as automatic activity, then it really doesn't put very many limits on what the administrative state uh, can do to create a criminal uh, activity. The um, you know we're ask, we're asking the court here not just to to rule on this automatic and, and single function uh, factor. We're also asking the court to direct the district court to hold unlawful and set aside ATF's final rule. This isn't this. We're not asking the statute to be struck down. We're not asking the statute uh, to be changed in any way. We're asking ATF's rule to be set aside and. Under the Administrative Procedure Act, the the court has the power. Certainly, the Supreme Court has the power uh, to set aside uh, a rule like this that is unlawful. That's not an appropriate interpretation uh, of the statute, and it can't be the case that every single bump stock owner has to bring a separate lawsuit against ATF in order uh, to get that done. In other words, there isn't a presumption of constitutionality that attaches uh, to ATF's rule. Uh, you know, quite to the contrary, uh, ATF doesn't have any basis for uh, for that. This isn't a rule that's gone through two houses of Congress and signed by the president. No, it's just uh, it's it, this is single branch rulemaking at best. Uh, it's not even clear that that this was signed off uh, at the at the topmost levels. Uh, although presumably the attorney general knew that it was being issued, and there was an executive order from President Trump that had asked for the agency to to uh, you know, do what it could to turn you know, to, to outlaw anything that turned a, a legal weapon into a machine gun. And uh, uh, and so, you know, you could say that, but Congress didn't sign off on this. In fact, Dianne Feinstein and other people in Congress had introduced bills to ban bump stocks. And Dianne Feinstein said, you can't do this by rule. It had to be legislation that would ban uh, bump stocks, and we quote her in the in their brief uh, as well. And she's right about that. This is something criminal law is something that's the province of Congress. Congress has to be the one that creates criminality. Uh, if you own a, a machine gun illegally, that's a ten year prison sentence. And a, a bump stock, by the way, if you just own a bump stock and you don't even own a semi automatic weapon, unclear why that should have a ten year prison sentence attached to it. Because a bump stock itself is just an inert piece of plastic. It's certainly not a machine gun. It's not even a weapon by itself. 
Uh, so there's a lot of oddities here that we're asking the court to, to recognize the reality of the situation to strike down what ATF uh, has done. And we will be arguing this case in front of the Supreme Court. Jonathan Mitchell will be arguing it on February 28th. Uh, and Rich Samp and uh, Shang Lee and I from NCLA will be there as well. And we'll let you know how that goes. 